thankful for all of you and all that you do. Um, I'm thankful for those who have taught the, the children's Bible classes in the back. I'm thankful for those who've prepared communion and kept the building clean, for David for keeping the correspondence courses going, and Javid and Joseph for keeping the website up to date. All the things that have, been gone, that have gone on, all the work that everyone put into the community Bible study, into our gospel meetings. We've had a great year, um, and we just continue to pray that God will bless the work that we're doing here, that, uh, that we can prosper here in this area. So thank you for all that you do. Lots of teachers want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And the changes that, and perversions that they want to bring in aren't typically a full-blown denial of what the Scriptures teach, but they're just a Peter about how perversion of what the Scriptures teach. Joseph read for us uh, there in 2 Peter about how people were twisting the teachings of Paul. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 talks about this as well. Galatians chapter 1, beginning of verse 6. It's not, again, a denial of the truths of the Scriptures, but just a twisting and perversion of those, those teachings. In Galatians chapter 1, beginning of verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As I've said before, so now I'll say again, if anyone preaches to you any other gospel than what you have received, let him be accursed. And so uh, the church at Galatia was being presented with these teachers who were just twisting the scriptures. Not denying them, but twisting them. We need to remember as we study, as we begin our study of the book of Revelation, as we study any Bible topic, that any interpretation that we make on any passage of the Scripture has to harmonize with the rest of the Bible. I can't interpret a passage in such a way that forces a contradiction with another passage. I can't interpret this verse to teach something that is in contradiction with what another verse teaches. They all have to harmonize because they're all from the same God who's given us a unified Bible. And so as we approach Bible topics, we need to approach them with that understanding. This morning, I want to look at one passage that has been misinterpreted, and I'm going to call this a hijacked Bible verse. John chapter 10, beginning of verse 27. John chapter 10, verse 27 is a favorite verse of those who want to teach the doctrine of once saved, always saved. The idea that you can live any way that you want to live, and it doesn't matter because once you're saved, you're always saved. And if you ask someone about this belief that they hold, oftentimes they're going to go to John chapter 10, beginning of verse 27. John 10, beginning of verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given my Father's hand. Those who hold to the doctrine of once saved, always saved will go here and say, you see here, it says that Jesus gives us eternal life. If you've got eternal life, you're never going to perish. You've got eternal life, he says. He says, in fact, they will never perish. And no one is going to snatch them out of his hand. And no one's going to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Once you're in, you're in. You have eternal life. You can't be taken out of God's hand. 
Here's what one author said about this. He says, It would appear that Jesus is clearly indicating here in no uncertain terms that a true born-again believer cannot in any way cause themselves to lose their salvation or, if you will, take themselves out of God's hands. You can do whatever you want to do, and it is not going to change the fact that you're saved. If you're a born-again believer, you can't even take yourself out of God's hand. Once you have eternal life, you have it, and there's nothing you can do to lose it. Well, the problem with this interpretation is, as we said before, that it forces a contradiction with other passages. And we've talked about this. Donnie Rader in his meeting talked about this. We could talk about it over and over again. But quickly, 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them from the, than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. You can lose your salvation. You can live in such a way as to lose the gift that God has given you. We have to understand then John chapter 10 in a way that, kind, that is harmonizes with 2 Peter chapter 2. The passage is not teaching that we can't take ourselves out of God's hands. The passage is teaching, rather, that no one, including the devil himself, can take us out of God's hand, can remove us from God's hand, if we don't. We can choose to leave God's hand, but no one else can choose that for us. The devil can't decide that I don't like him or her being in God's hand, and I'm going to make sure that he comes out or she comes out. No, God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning of verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's the way that we can interpret John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, in a way that harmonizes. God is not going to allow anybody to take us out of His hand. He's going to make sure there's a way of escape. Whenever a temptation is presented to us, a way of escape, so that we don't have to sin, we don't have to fall. And that's the comforting truth of John chapter 10, beginning of verse 27. But there's a problem with passages like John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. When they're misused, we often focus so much on what the passage doesn't teach that we fail to, if you will, these passages are hijacked from us. They're taken away from us because we have to focus so much on what the false teachers are saying about how the passage doesn't teach that, we don't realize what the passage does teach. And so this morning, I'd like to spend a little bit of time looking with you at what John chapter 10 actually does teach us. Because it is very comforting, and it is very encouraging, yet it does place a responsibility on us, as Christians, to live in a certain way. John chapter 10, beginning of verse 27 again, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. What are the important lessons here that Jesus is trying to teach us from John chapter 10, beginning of verse 27? First off, Jesus is telling us in no uncertain terms that we're sheep. Jesus is telling us that we're sheep. And saying that we're sheep is not a compliment on our strength or our intelligence. Sheep aren't all that smart. I was talking to a guy about sheep a while back. I have a girl who at one time wanted some sheep, and he made that observation to me. He had sheep. He kept sheep, and he knew what what kind of work was involved. And he says, when God compared us to sheep, he wasn't giving us a compliment. Jesus, or God says in Psalm 100, verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Over and over again, we're referred to as sheep. Sheep aren't all that smart. And they're not all that powerful. They're not a mighty animal. No kid, I think, has ever had a nightmare about a sheep attacking them in the middle of the night. Now, maybe a bear or a mountain lion or a wolf But have you ever woken up in cold sweat that a sheep was after you? No. In fact, if you can't sleep, what do you do? You count sheep because they're peaceful, calm animals. They're not mighty and and strong and powerful. Sheep also aren't self-sufficient, are they? Sheep have to be led. They can easily get lost. In Isaiah chapter 53, about our condition but without Christ and the need for a Savior. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep go astray. Sheep have a tendency to wander. They need to be led. They need to be given direction. We are God's sheep. We need direction. We need to be led. Jesus, as he observes those in his day, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were all weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd is in a bad spot because they need to be led. They can't lead themselves. Physical sheep can't lead themselves, nor can we. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Physical sheep need shepherds. Spiritual sheep, us, we need a shepherd to lead us. We need a shepherd to follow because we can't lead ourselves. If we lead ourselves, we'll just be as in bad a shape as the physical sheep who try to lead themselves. The results for a physical sheep who doesn't have a shepherd are disastrous. There are wolves out there. There are dangers. And sheep need to be led. But sheep also need to be fed. Sheep need to be led, but they also need to be fed. You know, there are some animals that you don't have to worry about finding food on their own. We have some possums around our house that do a really good job of finding food on their own. They'll find food in my trash can if the lid is not put on tightly. Probably, you probably have some possums or some raccoons in your neighborhood that can feed themselves just fine. They'll find the food. But a sheep needs to be fed. Sheep need to be fed. They have to be led to that pasture. In John chapter 21, 
verse 7, as Jesus is preparing to leave this earth after his crucifixion and his resurrection, you remember he says to Peter three times, do you love me? Notice what he says in verse 27 of John chapter, or 17 of John chapter 21. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Sheep need to be fed. Elders are given this charge in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders who are among you I exhort, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, the King James Version, maybe other versions say feed the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Elders are given the responsibility to feed the flock. Sheep need to be led. They need to be fed. They are helpless creatures. They need help from their shepherd. The 23rd Psalm presents this idea to us. 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we're tempted to be lifted up in our pride, think that we've got it all under control. We need to remember what Jesus is teaching us here, that we are but lowly sheep that can't take care of ourselves, that can't lead ourselves. We need a shepherd. And follow. But Jesus is also teaching us here that sheep hear and follow their shepherd. Real sheep don't have trouble remembering that they're, they're lowly sheep and need a shepherd. Notice what Jesus, how he described it in John chapter 10, beginning of verse 1, earlier in this context. Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. Real sheep hear and follow their shepherd. And there's a danger for a sheep who doesn't follow his shepherd. There's no protection from harm. Those wolves that are out there, if a sheep doesn't follow his shepherd, if he's not near his shepherd, he's exposed to that danger. That could be the end of the sheep's life. If the sheep doesn't follow the shepherd, there's no direction on where to find food. Where is that good pasture that the shepherd's going to lead me to? If I'm not following the shepherd, if I'm a sheep, I don't get that benefit. And if I lose sight of my shepherd, if I don't follow my shepherd, if I'm a real sheep, there's no hope of getting back to that sheepfold at night. 
There's a real danger that I'd be out there in the wilderness by myself, on my own, as a helpless sheep, if I'm not following my shepherd. It's a terrifying thought to be a sheep and be a follow from your shepherd. And so it is for us when we don't follow our shepherd. When we don't follow the shepherd, we don't have the benefits of being near our Savior who wants to protect us from the wolves, who wants to protect us from evil, who wants to feed us the spiritual nourishment that we need when we're not near our Savior and our shepherd. But in order to be near Him, there are two things that are required. He says we first have to hear Him. We have to be listening. The shepherd talks to his sheep. That's what it says here in John chapter 10, that the shepherd talks to his sheep. And you know what? Jesus is talking to us. But He's not whispering in our ears. He's talking to us through His Word. And as a result, we need to be studying it. We need to be listening to it. We need to be devoted to what the shepherd is telling us. The sheep hear His voice. Are we hearing it? It's here. Are we hearing it? Since it is the first day of the year, can we take a minute to talk about how are we going to study this year? Have we given thought to our Bible study? Have we come up with an idea on how we're going to study God's Word and how we're going to be devoted to that? Because if we're not deliberate in that, chances are we're not going to be successful in our study. David has worked on a, a reading calendar for us on our website now, David. will be soon. It will be soon. There's a copy of one up here if you need one of a reading calendar that will help you get through the Bible in a year. And maybe not the whole Bible. Maybe you want to focus on just the New Testament or just the Old Testament. Or, but do you have a plan? A plan. We need to be studying. Because the shepherd is talking to us. And you can't follow the shepherd if you don't hear him. And if we're not reading, we're not going to be following the shepherd. We've got to be devoted to studying God's Word. Remember just how frightening it would be if you're a real shepherd and you can't hear the shepherd's voice. I mean, a real sheep and you can't hear the shepherd's voice and you're now exposed to that danger. That's the kind of condition we could find ourselves in if we're not deliberate in wanting to listen to the shepherd. But Jesus also says about sheep that they, his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. We have to be following our shepherd. It doesn't do any good for a shepherd to be talking if the sheep aren't listening. Imagine a sheep thinking to himself, yeah, that's the shepherd calling me, but I think there's really good grass just on the other side of this hill. I think I'm just going to go over there. Does it do the good sheep any good, does it, to hear what the shepherd's saying if the sheep don't follow? And nor does it do us any good if we're not following our shepherd. James 1 verse 22 says, Be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We have to hear, but we have to also follow. Sheep hear and follow their shepherd. Jesus is also telling us in this passage, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. A shepherd knows his sheep. A shepherd knows how many sheep he has. He knows what his sheep's needs are. Jesus knows us. And there's something comforting about that, isn't it? There's something comforting about, some, about being known. 
It's comforting when your spouse knows you, isn't it? Have you ever had your spouse remind you of something about yourself that you had forgotten? Maybe it's a physical illness. and well, You remember the last time you were sick and you tried that medicine and it didn't work on you and you'd forgotten that? Or remember the last time you were dealing with this difficult situation, what helped you get through that situation? It's comforting when your spouse knows that about you, knows how you work, knows in ways to help you. It's comforting to have a doctor that knows you, isn't it? A doctor who knows about your needs, about your health condition and your health history and knows how to treat you. There's comfort about that. And so it is with our shepherd. He knows us. And that's a wonderful, comforting thought. Earlier in John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus knows us. And it's, just not, it's not just a cursory, superficial knowledge about us. Oh yeah, I know Ben. Or I know David. No, our shepherd knows us. Our dentist has some type of computer system where they can enter notes about the patient. And we have a hygienist that has notes about us over the years we've been going. The hygienist knows that we have chickens. The hygienist knows that we homeschool. And so when we go to sit down in the chair, it's like we're old friends, and she wants to know about the chickens, and she wants to know about the schooling. She's looking at hundreds of sets of teeth throughout the weeks and months between times that we see her and we see her again. But she wants to talk about the chickens. She doesn't really care about the chickens. She's just trying to act like she knows us. We've got some kind of relationship. We don't, other than she gets to play with our teeth every now and then. That's not the way it is with Jesus. He knows us. He knows what we need. He knows our needs and our concerns. And that's a comforting thought. He knows our struggles. He knows us, the shepherd knows his sheep. And that's a wonderful thought. And Jesus is also telling us that the Father will protect us. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, nor shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Sheep, we've been talking, need protection. They don't have sharp teeth. Or claws. They don't have a, they're not especially fast runners. Sheep need protection from an external source. And we are sheep. And we need protection from an external source. And that external source is God. The passage says that God will hold us in His hands. Isn't that amazing? As we view ourselves and we realize how frail we are. And how weak we are that God will protect us. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus tells us how real the dangers are in this world that we live in. Beware of false prophets who will come in to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They're not just wolves that, yeah, I might eat a sheep if I had an opportunity. No, they're ravenous. They want a sheep and they want it now. 
This is a dangerous place that we live. And I'm afraid that many times we underestimate how dangerous the world that we live in is. This is serious business. This is a spiritual life or death situation. We are frail, fragile sheep, and there are wolves around us. Not only wolves, there's one particular enemy that is a roaring lion, 1 Peter, a lion seeking whom he may devour. A lion that would like nothing better than a soft, tender sheep for lunch. This is a dangerous place. And as such, we need help. We need protection. And God has promised us that He will hold us in His hand and that no one, no lion, no wolf, nothing can snatch us out of His hand. That's a wonderful thought. And one way that He does protect us is that verse that we looked at at the start of our lesson, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, by providing us the way of escape so that we don't have to be prey to the adversary. No temptation has overtaken you such as, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God promises us protection. We need to be thankful for that when you understand what a blessing that is. And then finally this morning, Jesus is also teaching us that we'll be rewarded eternally for following the shepherd. He says he gives us eternal life. God will give eternal life to those who follow their shepherd because the shepherd is leading his sheep to heaven. Are we willing to follow him? Are we willing to be the sheep that realizes their need for a shepherd? Realizes that they can't direct their own path? That they need to be led and they need to be fed? Are we willing to submit? If we are, there's an incredible blessing that awaits us. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, beginning. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus said, For all the sheep who will hear my voice and follow me, even if hearing my voice and following me means that they have to face some suffering, some persecution, that they might even be estranged from family and friends, that they might have to make physical sacrifices, none of those sheep are going to go unrewarded. Jesus says that if we'll follow him, we'll be rewarded eternally. There are some incredible passages in this power messages for us in this verse that's been hijacked by the false teacher. John chapter 10 verses 27 through 29 have very important messages for us as we strive to live a life that's pleasing to God. The question this morning is, are you one of Jesus' sheep? Are you in his fold? You can't be unless you're listening to him and you're following him. If you haven't become a sheep yet, in Christ's fold, there's no better time than right now. And maybe you have been a sheep in Christ's fold, but you've wandered away. You quit listening to the shepherd, and you quit following him. 
There's better no, no time better than right now on the first day of 2023 for you to make a change to be what God would have you to be. And if we can help you with that, will you let us know while we stand and sing?